Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 1. If a man divorces his wife, and she leaves him, and marries another, should he return to her again? Would not the land be completely defiled? But you have lived as a prostitute, with many lovers. Would you now return to me? declares the Lord. In the Levitical law, you're allowed to take your spouse back if they leave you as long as they haven't married somebody else. And this is because marriage is holy. If they divorce you and marry another person, and then they come back to you and remarry you, that's the same thing as wife swapping. Even though you have certificates, it doesn't make it any less an abomination to the Lord. He does not approve of wife swapping or husband swapping. So in the Levitical law, if you divorce somebody, you can marry them again, but only if they haven't married another person in between. Marriage is holy, but adultery and fornication are not holy. Therefore, if you divorce somebody and they cheat on you and sleep around, but they don't remarry, then you can take them back, because adultery and fornication are sin. Those unions aren't honored by the Lord. So even though they sinned against the Lord and they cheated on you, you can forgive them and take them back. So what he's saying here in this verse is, if you divorce somebody and they remarry, you can't take them back, otherwise it's spouse swapping and it's an abomination, because it is making a joke out of marriage. So he says, a husband would never take back a wife who married another man, but you expect me to take you back as my people when you have worshipped numerous other gods like a prostitute. So it's a metaphor, and it's pointing out how wicked the Israelites have been. They haven't even just married one other god. They have slept with all the gods that they possibly could, metaphorically speaking. 2. Look up to the barren heights and see, is there any place where you have not been ravished? To be ravished is to be raped. And it says, you have let these demons rape you on every hill. And again, it's a metaphor. They have gone up on the hills and worshipped the demon gods and sacrificed their children to the gods and made perfume and other offerings to the gods. But the Lord is using the metaphor of rape and prostitution to show that by doing this, Israel has shamed and humiliated themselves. And Israel has also made a mockery of their relationship with the Lord. By the roadside, you sat waiting for lovers, sat like a nomad in the desert. You have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness. A prostitute would sit by the roadside, and then when the camels went by, she would have a veil on, and all the men would know that she's a prostitute, and they could sleep with her for a price. This is what prostitutes do today. They still stand by the roadside, and people in cars stop and pay for their services. The Lord is saying that Israel has played the part of a prostitute by worshiping all of these gods. 3. Therefore, the showers have been withheld, and no spring rains have fallen. Yet you have the brazen look of a prostitute. You refuse to blush with shame. Prostitutes don't blush. God is saying that Israel is this way with the gods that they worship. They're not even ashamed.
Israel was openly worshipping false gods in the very temple that was created for the Lord. 4. Have you not just called to me, my father, my friend, from my youth? 5. Will you always be angry? Will your wrath continue forever? This is how you talk, but you do all the evil you can. The people of Israel prayed to the Lord, When will you stop punishing us? But while they were saying that, they were continuing to sin and they had no desire to repent. 6. During the reign of King Josiah, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. Again, this is a metaphor. It isn't really about sex, it's about relationships. The relationship between God and his people was supposed to be like that between a husband and a wife. God would protect them and they would obey. But the Israelites turned it into a relationship of adultery because they constantly betrayed the Lord. 7. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not, and her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. The kingdom had been split in two after King David. There was the Israelite camp, which was ten tribes that were all under the king of Israel, who was not authorized to be king. And then there was the tribe of Judah, who had a king over Judah and the Levites. And that is where the true king really came from, because the true king was from the line of King David. But the Lord says the Israelites sinned first. They turned to pagan worship first, but then their sister, Judah, the other kingdom, decided to also turn to pagan worship. 8. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries, yet I saw that her unfaithful sister, Judah, had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. The Lord spiritually divorced the ten tribes of Israel because of their idol worship, and he was still spiritually married to Judah, but Judah started imitating Israel. 9. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. They made their idols out of stone and wood. It's saying that the tribe of Judah also started carving out their own idols from stone and wood and worshipping them. They didn't think it was a problem that the Israelites did it, so they copied the Israelites' behavior. And when I say Israelites, I mean the other, because Judah, they're Israelites as well. 10. In spite of all this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares the Lord. The people of Judah were pretending to honor the Lord, but in reality, they really put their faith in their idols. They went through the motions of doing the ordinances of God, but they didn't really love the Lord or obey His commandments or fear Him. And that's like Christians today. They show up for church every Sunday, but they still gamble, they still drink, they still tell lies to their boss. They still tell lies to their spouse. They still mistreat their animals and abuse their children. But they think that they're in God's family simply because they show up for church. 11. The Lord said to me, 
Faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. 12. Go proclaim this message toward the north. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. So in order to teach the people of Judah a lesson who should have known better, because they are from the true kingly tribe, he is now going to punish them before the other ten tribes of Israel, and he's going to show Israel some mercy so that Judah will be jealous of the mercy that Israel is getting. It's kind of like playing one child against another, but the Lord has every right to do that because He is our Father and He is our Creator. So if He wants to make one of us jealous to get us to repent, He has every right to do that. It's similar to how He is now spreading the gospel to the Gentiles so that the Jewish people will be jealous that we're getting saved and they also will want to get saved. 13. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. He's telling the ten tribes of Israel, If you will simply confess your sin, I will have mercy on you. 14. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. The Lord is making a promise to the ten tribes of Israel, saying, If you repent of your sin and confess your sin to me, then I will bring representatives of all of your ten tribes into Jerusalem to live there. So he's going to show the Israelites great honor by allowing representatives from each of their tribes to live in Jerusalem. 15. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. The Lord will give them leaders who will teach them the commandments of God, because for many years they had false leadership that was teaching them idol worship from the capital of Samaria. 16. In those days when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, people will no longer say, The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. This is an interesting reference to the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant in the Bible, it just kind of disappears. Once the Babylonians ransacked Jerusalem, the Bible never mentions the Ark again. So a lot of people suppose that the Babylonians took the Ark. But we'll learn later that actually Jeremiah hid the Ark in Jerusalem and it's still there today, hidden. But the Lord would say, if the Israelites would repent, they would become such a holy people that they wouldn't miss not seeing the ark, because God would be with them anyway, if they repented. Now that's true for you and I. We don't need to have the ark of the covenant in our home, because we can have Jesus right inside of us, if we repent of our sins. 17. At that time they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. 
no longer will they follow the stubbornness of their own hearts. A day is coming when all of the people will honor the Lord from Jerusalem, and they won't need the Ark of the Covenant to worship the Lord, because Christ himself will be there. This is a reference to the millennial reign of Christ. 18. In those days the people of Judah will join the people of Israel, and together they will come from a northern land to the land I gave your ancestors as an inheritance. Now the northern land, I'm assuming it's Persia because Persia is going to conquer the Babylonians later. 19. I myself said, How gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. The Lord is reminiscing about how much he desires to lavish love on his people, but they are the ones who turned their back on him. 20. But like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you, Israel, have been unfaithful to me, declares the Lord. Again, this is a metaphor. He's using a broken marriage as a metaphor for the broken relationship between him and the Israelites. And this is why marriage is holy, because it represents our proper relationship with the Lord. 21. A cry is heard on the barren heights, the weeping and pleading of the people of Israel, because they have perverted their ways and have forgotten the Lord their God. This is called repentance, when you're actually sorry for your sin, and you're so sorry that it causes you to weep and cry and mourn over the wasted years and how awful you treated your Creator. Because if you truly believe that God did not deserve the way you treated Him, and that hell is eternal, and heaven is eternal, and you deserve hell, that will break you. Return, faithless people, I will cure you of backsliding. Yes, we will come to you, for you are the Lord our God. How do we get cured of backsliding? It could be sometimes a process where we get burned in our sin so many times that we just never want to go back. And ultimately, the best way to be cured of backsliding is to feel the peace and safety and sanctity and wholeness and joy of obeying the Lord. And it does cause joy. And when you have felt the joy of obeying the Lord and knowing that you're pleasing Him, you never want to go back. 23. Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and mountains is a deception. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. People were worshipping idols on the hills, and they were causing a lot of noise with their idol worship. But salvation is more real than all of the noise that you could cause following the world. 24. From our youth, shameful gods have consumed the fruits of our ancestors' labor, their flocks and herds, their sons and daughters. In the Levitical law, you did have to give offerings to the Lord, but the Lord consumed very little of those offerings. Most of those offerings were actually consumed by the people after they were given to the Lord in faith. Either the Levites or the people making the offering ate the offering. 
So the Lord was never robbing the people. He was actually making them more wealthy, even through the offerings. But pagan idols rob from people. You have to put your children in their hands and burn your children. Or you have to give them grain and it just stays in front of the idol and rots there. You don't get back what you give to the idol. 25. Let us lie down in our shame and let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our ancestors. From our youth till this day, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. Those are the words of repentant people, and those are the words that the Lord is waiting to hear from the Israelites and the people of Judah. And that concludes Jeremiah chapter 3.